You are listening to Radio Boston. I'm Carrie Young, and we are going to be talking about tech again this segment. Massachusetts is already a big international hub when it comes to biotech and medicine. But Governor Mara Healy is already eyeing the potentially next big thing. We're going to make Massachusetts the climate innovation lab of the world. Climate technology. So that's things like electric vehicles and their batteries or tech that captures solar and wind energies. But there is a catch. Climate tech companies are struggling to turn their really good ideas into profitable businesses. Boston Globe correspondent Scott Kirsner is here to talk more about that. Welcome to Radio Boston, Scott. Thanks for having me in. Well, we're excited to talk about this with you. I want to dive in first and ask you, what makes climate technology really exciting, like an exciting frontier here in Boston? It's an exciting frontier because a lot of these technologies come out of academic research labs at Harvard and MIT, Boston University, Tufts. Uh, They need some funding to get up on their, uh, you know, build a foundation for uh, for the technologies as a company and find some customers. I think the thing that makes it most exciting, though, is that if you believe we need to stop burning oil, stop burning natural gas, stop burning gasoline in our cars uh, to combat climate change, a lot of these startups are trying to provide alternative uh, products, alternative ways of producing power. Um, and we clearly need that and need it fast. Yeah. I mean, are there any specific uh, products that are coming out that you can think of recently? Like if you could just sort of describe the intricacies or like the, not the intricacies, but like the products that make up this market. Well, I mean, the, the most tangible, easy to understand one is lithium ion batteries that are in all of our laptops and our cars. Now, what do you do at the end of life when that car is going to get sent to the junkyard or that laptop is going to get thrown away? You don't want to also throw away the lithium ion battery. It's A, not great for the environment. And there's lots of materials in there that you could repurpose and make a new lithium ion battery. So one of the companies I've been following, they're based in Westboro, Massachusetts. They're called Ascend Elements. And basically, they just want to build big recycling plants to take apart lithium ion batteries once they come out of your Tesla or your Chevy Bolt and take those materials and put them back into the production cycle. So that feels really important to me as a way to say, let's not create new waste with all of our EVs and computers and VR headsets and whatever else has a lithium ion battery in it. Right. Well, and I want to take a second, too, to kind of define some terms here. We said climate tech, but I've also heard the term green technologies, green industry. Is there a difference between those terms? Are they interchangeable? They're kind of interchangeable. I mean, I think like a lot of industries, um, they need a new shiny term every couple of years. And in climate tech, you've heard renewable technologies, green technologies. There was clean tech uh, in the early 2000s. One of the problems and part of the reason it keeps getting rebranded is that this is a really tough business for startups. You know, you have a lot of established utility companies or oil companies that are really good at doing what they do and generating profits for their shareholders with today's infrastructure. So when you come to try to sell them solar farms or wind turbines or fusion power plants that are going to use nuclear fusion to generate electricity, um, they don't exactly welcome it with open arms. So this has been a really difficult space. And that's part of the reason that people keep throwing around different terms or rebranding it. 
Wait, is fusion something that's with us today? <laughs> that that always felt like something in the future. It's definitely still in the future. Okay. Uh, one of the companies that's really worth tracking uh, is called Commonwealth Fusion Systems. Um, and crazily enough, they started life. It's an MIT spin out. They started life in the basement of an old radio shack in Central Square. Like that Feels was their fitting. first office. Feels <laughs> fitting, like kind of bizarre, you know, tinkering in the basement of the, the X radio shack. But yeah, they've raised more than $2 billion to try to design a fusion reactor that one day will generate clean power and and not output a lot of radioactive waste like today's nuclear power does. Right. That's so interesting. Not online yet, though. Right. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that for sure. Um, I, so you've described some of these companies as startups, which I get that is technically what they are, you know, and that the sort of the dark side of this innovation that's happening right now is that a lot a lot of times there are great ideas they get a lot of funding but like staying on making a profit you know make it you know bridging that gap has not always happened so can you talk about where companies kind of get lost before they can be self-sustaining yeah it's it can be a very long road for companies in climate tech or green tech whatever term we've decided to use here um you know and and part of the issue is just you know this is a long slow transition even for individual consumers right to start shifting and thinking oh maybe one day i'm going to have um renewable energy um produced in for my you know for my house or for my office or I'm going to shift to an electric car we're in the midst of this slow transition and so the markets are still kind of developing uh, we definitely have seen some companies just wander in the wilderness for a long time there's a company now called cubic PV that's up in Lexington and I've been following them for 10 12 13 years and they're trying to develop new kinds of solar panels that would get more energy from the sun's rays. But they're competing with Chinese companies that make solar panels that are not as good, not as efficient today, but they're really cheap. Uh, so there are just lots of headwinds that these companies run into that make it really difficult to to create a, a sustainable business. Yeah. I mean, so in talking about this segment beforehand and talking to you now, it kind of makes me think about a story that I did on the Education Beat about um, electric school buses and that there are some companies out there who you know, they basically invest in, they put, they front all the money so that you can kind of subsidize this new technology and wait until it gets cheaper to produce. Are there, you know, are there those types of opportunities out there for these businesses? Yeah. So you mean like to create new financing models that that make uh, make it a lower upfront cost Correct. to start using something? Yes. Yeah. There, there are all kinds of, um, you know, of financing programs um, and people that are ready once you have a technology that's ready to go to market to say, hey, let's make it easier for customers, whether it's a school system or a government agency to buy it. I think that um, you know there, there are still some barriers other than the financing in terms of helping these companies connect with the early customers. And I do think that uh, Governor Healy and the Secretary of Economic Development, Yvonne Howe, are really focused on you know, how can we put those puzzle pieces together and I really help a larger percentage of those companies succeed and get to the point where they have a, a product out in the market. Yeah. And so does the state come in on any of these efforts? Are they involved at all? Yeah, the state has already been trying to support this sector. There's something called the Mass Massachusetts Clean Energy Center. 
Um, there could be more funding, more state incentives for this sector. As you said in the lead-in, um, I think Governor Healy's administration looks back to what Governor Deval Patrick did with biotech, where they created this billion-dollar initiative that was about internships and grants and loans and really providing a lot of um, gasoline for the bonfire of biotech and yeah. ensuring that Massachusetts was going to be kind of a leading state. Um, there's already stuff in place today. We may see some more incentives. One of the biggest pieces that was mentioned to me by Joe Curtitone, who runs an industry group, he's the former mayor of Somerville, he said, look, we need a cap and trade system. We need to put a price on the carbon that businesses emit. That's really what's going to create a market for all these companies and all these new products um, because it puts a price on carbon and creates incentives to reduce the amount of carbon you're pouring into the atmosphere. Gotcha. Well, I want to jump off of uh, what we were just talking about when it comes to some of the state uh, assistance that can come in here, because Governor Mara Healy has made this, you know, publicly a very big priority for her. She said at the recent State of the State address last month that she wants to make it a global center for climate tech, just like you were saying, just like the way it is for life sciences. So here's what she said. We'll help climate tech companies not just start in Massachusetts, but scale in Massachusetts, creating good jobs in the climate corridor we're building across our state. You can see it coming to life. Our climate tech initiative will catalyze this growth into global leadership that benefits Massachusetts workers and communities and our economy. Now, Scott, do you think that climate tech could be as successful as, as biotech has become? You know, is, is this um, priority something that could repeat itself? I think there's a key if there. It's like if we can keep some portion of the manufacturing of this stuff. One example I like to point to is there was a robotic startup that got bought by Amazon and now makes all of the robots for Amazon's warehouses. They still make them all in Massachusetts, right? So it's an advanced technology, lots of components, lots of pieces, parts, knowledge of putting it together. And we've kept those manufacturing jobs here in the Boston area. I think you're starting to see a lot of these climate tech companies set up plants in Georgia and Kentucky and West Virginia, where there's lots of incentives. There's lots of old manufacturing facilities that those states want to bring jobs to. And so the key really is going to be, I think, how much of the manufacturing these products we can keep here, not just the invention of the products. Right. Okay. We're talking about climate technology in Massachusetts with Scott Kirsner, Boston Globe correspondent. I want to pivot a little bit in talking about vetting some of these ventures. Uh, you know, some are good ideas, but just wildly impractical from a business sense, even if you do get, you know, some funding ahead of time. So how how are investors, how's the state vetting some of the companies that are coming up? That's a great question. I think that, um, you know, there tends to be, there are a lot of competitions, business plan competitions. There's one that has their awards today, the Mass Challenge Competition. There's something called the Clean Tech Open. There's the MIT 100K. So there are a lot of competitions where early stage startups come through and they have more seasoned entrepreneurs and executives look at them and say, who do we think is the best of this, you know, this class? It's essentially, you know, the, the business version of, uh, you know, a beauty competition, you know, who has the best business plan, the best technology, I like that description. <laughs> who do we like, whose team do we like the best? And then venture capital investors, and we have some really powerful ones here in Massachusetts, are just really good at poking at the technology and saying, do we think this is going to be more than a science project? Do we think this is going to be more than just something you can publish research papers about? Is this going to be something that you can sell to 
customers, whether they're you and me or their utilities or or oil and gas companies. Um, one of the biggest investors in this whole climate tech space is called Breakthrough Energy Ventures. They have, I think, north of $2 billion now to invest. And, and some of their key players are here in the Boston area. And so they're very good at you know, at sorting the wheat from the chaff in terms of promising companies. Right. Well, it, you know, it's interesting when I think about just traditional startups. I know I've heard of the term incubators um, when it comes to trying to get some of those off the ground. Are, is that Does that exist in the, the green tech, climate tech space too? It does. It it's They're both concentrated, the two big incubators in this space, which are really just houses for startups where they can share lab equipment and production equipment and have lunch with each other and maybe share some advice about, hey, we were just talking to Exxon and they have this particular need. Maybe you can, uh, your product can solve that need. One is called Greentown Labs in Somerville, which has become one of the biggest uh, climate tech incubators in the world. And then MIT has something that they set up uh, six, seven years ago called the Engine, which is both a venture capital fund. So they have money to put into startups, most of whom have some kind of MIT affiliation or MIT founder. And then they also have a lot of space for these startups to set up and grow. So those are kind of the big two in Somerville, uh, in Central Square. And maybe we'll see some other ones set up in other parts of the state, you know, to bring this economic activity to Springfield or Northampton or Pittsfield, other areas. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of the infrastructure is there. Um, I, speaking of infrastructure, I think of the people powering it. And especially as an education reporter, there's training, there's the education to, you know, be able to fill some of these high tech potentially jobs. So what do you know about the workforce or the training for the workforce that could fill these jobs? Boy, it's such a great question. I mean, I, I think that a lot of who you see these companies trying to hire are engineers at this point, you know, who can create that first prototype or turn that first prototype into something more polished. And so many of these companies are really still at that building stage where they need the engineers um, and designers. And there isn't a huge workforce pull yet for like the sales and marketing people or the customer support people. I think most of these companies are just still very early stage to need that breadth of, you know, the accounts payable people and the gotcha. HR people. So um, there's still like small teams, I guess. Many of them are still small teams. Yeah. Okay. All right. That is so interesting, Scott. That is Boston Globe correspondent Scott Kirsner. Scott, thanks so much for coming in and talking tech and climate tech uh, with us today. I enjoyed it. Thanks.